Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ask a Scientist UTK podcast. For those of you who are new to Ask a Scientist, we are a nonprofit organization whose passion is increasing science awareness and better science communication throughout the community. The podcast's aim is to simply provide another medium where you can listen in on the discussions from scientists and science students based on questions that we get through our email, Facebook page, and Twitter. Before we start, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Anu Kumar, and I'm currently a junior here at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, majoring in neuroscience. I'm the current science communication chair for Ask a Scientist, so I will be acting as a stand-in host, throwing out related questions that were submitted to us. We'll have a guest for each episode, and they'll be primarily graduate or undergraduate students. This is the most important part, in my opinion, because you get to hear explanations about scientific inquiries from scientists or scientists in training. So let's go ahead and dive right into our very first episode. As the title implies, we'll be talking about GMOs, and I would like you all to meet our guest for this episode, Michelle Halstead. Hi. So a little bit about myself. I am a PhD student at the Bredesen Center with the University of Tennessee, and I perform my dissertation research with the Biological and Nanoscale Systems Group at Oak Ridge National Lab. So I don't actually do research at UT, I'm over at Oak Ridge. Um, Now for my research, I work in a clean room and I use nanofabrication to build devices, which I then use to study microbial communities or bacteria and their friends. My background is biological systems engineering. So although my work isn't centered on GMOs, I'm familiar with them. Nice. So how did you get involved with um, the line of work that you're in? You know, just by happenstance. I like building things, and I've always been fascinated by biology and what makes something alive. And I kind of stumbled my way into the research that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Nice. And do you enjoy it? Yes, most (laughs) days. It it really depends on the day, but most days I enjoy it. Yep. So uh, did you do your uh, undergraduate degree here at UT or somewhere else? Nope. Although there's a biological systems engineering major at UT, I was actually at Virginia Tech, about four hours away from here. Go Hokies. (laughs) Nice. So what made you want to come to, you said it was Oak Ridge that you're at right now? Yes. Um, So I'm a UT student, but I work at Oak Ridge, and that um, was a big attraction for me to come to UT as Mm -hmm. a student. Okay, nice. Um, And then uh, for everyone listening, Michelle was actually the author of our GMO article, which is why we're having her as a guest on the podcast today. So what made you want to write about the question that we got submitted in about GMOs? Because I know you said that's not your specific area of research. Right. Uh, A lot of people have been talking about it recently. Um, Ever since they passed the bill to have GMOs be labeled, and you see um, non-GMOs everywhere these days uh, when it relates to the food item. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people have been talking about what GMOs are and whether or not they're bad. A lot of my family friends have been wondering about it, and so I thought it would be a good idea to really dig into uh, the literature and get an answer for them. Okay, awesome. Well, that sounds like some really good stuff. Um, So let's get involved with some of the um, questions that we've got going on right now. Um, So what exactly is a GMO? So GMO means genetically modified organisms. They are also called genetically engineered crops, or GE. 
It means that a scientist has manipulated the genes of this crop in a laboratory through genetic engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a GMO is not is the conventional domestication of crops. And what I mean by that is humans have been selecting physical traits for thousands of years. For example, wild species of almonds are actually toxic. And humans domesticated the crop when they chose the sweet almonds over the bitter ones, uh, with the bitter flavor being a result of the toxin. Mm -hmm. Um, Some bonus information for you, or fun facts, is that almonds are one of the earliest domesticated fruit trees appearing in the early Bronze Age, between 3000 and 2000 B.C., Um, And the sweet almonds exist because it is a natural genetic mutation. Hmm, Interesting. So you mentioned that, um, you know, these changes come about through genetic manipulation. So how does the genetic manipulation of the crops affect their integrity? So are GMOs safe? Yeah, so um, that is actually a question that has been uh, debated. I would like to point out that several federal government agencies regulate the GMOs under the Coordinated Framework for the Regulation of Biotechnology, which is a really long title. (laughs) Um, But that means that the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the Food and Drug Administration are all regulating GMOs. Mm -hmm. Um, You might better recognize these groups by their acronyms, so that's USDA, EPA, and FDA, respectively. And then genetically engineered crops are approved by the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, APHIS, within the Department of Agriculture. Um, And so they go through years of testing before they're approved to be used on the farms. Okay, so there's like a rigorous process that they have to go through before they actually use all yes, of this. Yes, yes. And they're, they're, so whether or not um, it's rigorous would depend on the person because mm-hmm. critics um, would say that's not rigorous enough. Right. Um, but yes, there is a process that GEs have to go through before being used on the field. Okay. And then uh, kind of want to expand on that uh, a little bit uh, as to whether or not they're safe is to also mention that there are different types of GMOs. And that's really important to understand because Uh, A lot of people kind of hear GMOs, and they might not realize this, that Mm -hmm. they think they're all the same, but they're they're actually quite different depending upon what crops you're looking at. Um, Some crops have been engineered to contain um, the CRY protein or cry protein from a soil bacteria called Bacillus thuringiensis. I am horrible at pronunciation, (laughs) so um, I do not know how you are supposed to pronounce that one. Um, I'm a scientist, not a... oral speaker. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So this protein acts as an insecticide, and these GMO crops are identified as BT because of the bacteria name. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you have another type of GMO crop, which has been engineered to contain more nutrients. And this has a huge benefit in the fight against world hunger. An example of this is golden rice, which has been engineered to fight vitamin A deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Wow. Awesome. So are these, like, the main types of GMOs, or are they, like, just even more? Yeah, these are just some examples. Um, There's even more, and actually, um, in a couple weeks, a Daily Beacon article will be coming out where I'm going to examine some of the different types of GMOs in more detail. Awesome. So we'll definitely be on the lookout for that. Yeah. So along with um, the manipulation of all these crops, 
Um, what are some of the benefits of having GMOs? Uh, so, as I mentioned before, there are many different types. Um, and the world hunger battle that I just mentioned mm-hmm. is definitely a huge benefit to GMOs. Mm-hmm. Um, another benefit specific to the BT crop that I also mentioned is that uh, less insecticides need to be used to keep bugs off the crops. Mm -hmm. And this has great environmental applications. You have less runoff issues with, um, when you have lots of insecticide on the field and then the rain comes, the rain can wash away these insecticides that can then end up in our streams and rivers. So using less insecticide is great for the environment. Mm -hmm. Between 1995 and 2010, there's actually a 90% decrease in the pounds of insecticide used per acre in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that, that's been a huge benefit of GMOs. Nice. Um, we talked about some of the benefits. Are there any downsides? I know um, it's like a, a common, I guess you could say, misconception that you know altering the genetic material of a plant um, can make it more harmful. So I just kind of wanted to expand upon that. Is there is there any truth behind that statement or are there any other possible downsides of using GMOs? Sure. A lot of people have been concerned about the impact of ingesting mm-hmm. GMOs. Um, so whether or not it's safe to ingest GMOs or if there's a downside to consuming GMOs is, uh, is difficult to say. Um, every person is unique and each person's microbiome is very unique. So Mm -hmm. it's difficult to say uh, what impact GMOs will have on our ability to digest the food. Mm -hmm. But I like to point out that some of the most popular GMO crops are also treated with herbicides and insecticides. And the residues of these chemicals can impact your gut, which is why it's always important to uh, wash your fruits and vegetables before you eat them. Some other downsides to GMOs is that uh, these genes can spread onto natural species or the wild type version of the species, the type that has had no genetic alterations. For instance, if uh, you have a field and GMOs are grown in a field just like any regular crop, Mm -hmm. um, they're also going to be influenced by the bugs and the wind that exist in that environment can't really control the wind or the insects so uh, when you have pollen from these plants they could spread to the wild type version and when you say the wild type version um, you just mean like um, like the original version of the plant correct yes okay yep Um, that's a term used by genetic engineers to define uh, species that has had no genetic alteration Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, another downside is the misuse of herbicides with the HT or the herbicide-resistant crops. Um, because the crop is resistant to herbicide, farmers sometimes end up using a higher dose to kill the weeds mm-hmm. because the crop won't actually be killed. Um, and as of 2013, 25 different species of weeds were reported to have become resistant to glyphosate, which is an active ingredient in Roundup. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's there do, there do seem to be a little bit of a downside um, to GMOs. But would you say that the benefits outweigh the downsides? I think that's a really uh, difficult thing to answer. It's definitely a controversial topic. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, though, that I do want to say about 
um, the misuse of herbicide is that uh, GMO manufacturers strongly urge farmers to use best practices Mm -hmm. uh, alongside their genetically engineered crops. Um, So that includes the appropriate amount of herbicide. um, And best management practices for our examples of best management practices include rotating crops, maintaining field borders, controlling weeds through plowing, uh, reduction of transmission of weeds to other fields by cleaning the tilling equipment before plowing another field. Um, So these are all things that can be done to naturally decrease the weeds and keep down that herbicide use. Okay, so this is more of like a, I guess you could say more of like a collaboration between all of these like genetic scientists as well as like uh, agriculture and farmers that are on like the front lines of these crops. It's important to not overuse the chemicals Mm because that's when you run into tricky situations. And of course, time will tell what the the true impact is. Mm -hmm. Um, And this this was also um, something that I never really thought of, but this was one of the questions that a few people wanted addressed. Um, If superbugs or superweeds were a concern, which I know you allude to a little bit about like the the weeds being resistant sure um to the pesticide um so could you could you just expand on this yeah um so i've mentioned throughout our conversation uh the bt and the ht crops and that's what people are talking about when they're concerned about the creation of super bugs and super weeds um again that's crops that have been engineered for insect resistance and Mm -hmm. herbicide tolerance or both. Um, a lot of soybean and corn are engineered to have both the BT and the HT genes. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not uh, there's a valid concern for super bugs and super weeds is, again, difficult to answer, but GMO manufacturers like to point out that weeds and bugs have always built up tolerances right um and that's again why they're strongly urging farmers to use best management practices because whenever you overuse a chemical then you kill out a lot of bugs Mm -hmm. or plants but then the ones that survive have the trait for survival Mm -hmm. and they can then pass on that trait to other bugs and weeds and then you have a whole population that is resistant. And so that's actually what happens in your gut with the antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Mm-hmm. And that's why doctors urge you to not overuse antibiotics as well. So it's important to uh, follow the doctor's instructions or right. the scientist's instructions. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and then to kind of expand upon that in a little bit more detail, there was a 2013 article in Nature that reported 25 species of weeds were resistant to glyphosate, but that 64 weeds were resistant to the herbicide atrazine. This was very interesting because no crops had been genetically engineered for atrazine resistance, which demonstrate that weeds can become naturally resistant, which is what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah, so uh, the issue of, like, the the superweeds and superbugs isn't really something that's just limited to the use of GMOs. Correct. Beca- because, like like you said, with the antibiotic resistance, it's it's have been happening anyway. Correct. Uh, in a sense. Okay. If, um, if someone was really interested in going into a career field where they would be manufacturing 
GMOs, um, what would they need to do? Like, what would be, like, any sort of, like, education they would have to go through or degree qualifications? Right. So uh, you could go the route that I took and get an undergraduate degree in bioengineering or biological systems engineering. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how specific your field of study and how how advanced of an education you need depends on what you hope to do, mm-hmm. what your role, role is. Um, so, for instance, if you were to be a lab technician, you would only need a bachelor's degree in a chemistry or biology-related field. Mm-hmm. This includes majors like botany, genetic engineering, computational biology, even math degrees, biomolecular engineering. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, but then if you want to become a senior scientist or a senior engineer – you will likely have to continue your education and most likely get a PhD. Mm-hmm. So what would, um, so like if like you were just going fresh out of undergrad, uh, what would be some of the things you would do as a lab tech? Uh, more routine stuff. Um, so that would be uh, not coming up with your own experiments, but executing experiments that people, other people have thought up. Mm-hmm. So that can get kind of, boring on a day-to-day basis, which is why a lot of students end up getting those advanced degrees, Mm -hmm. because they want to be the one designing the experiments themselves. Right. Nice. Lots of good stuff. So before we wrap anything up, uh, wrap this up, do you want to add any additional information about GMOs for our listeners? Uh, It's definitely a controversial topic uh, nowadays. And I think the biggest takeaway is that there are many different types of GMOs, and that's, that is an important thing to consider when evaluating whether or not you consider GMOs to be good or bad. Awesome. Right, so that wraps up our discussion about GMOs. Uh, to quickly summarize our points, we talked a little bit about the definition of a GMO, how they can affect plants, the pros and cons, uh, concerns about uh, resistance, Uh, with bugs and plants, and what does it take to be in a career field in order to work with GMOs. So if you have a question that you want to ask us or want to join the organization, send us an email. You can reach us at askasai at utk.edu, and you can also send us questions via Twitter at our handle at askascientistut or through our Facebook page. A big thank you to Michelle for guesting on our first episode today, and thank you for tuning in. We will see you soon for our next episode.